The content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan, and we are Function Junction. Behavior matters. It matters. And uh, we heard some wonderful matters of behavior and how behaviors matter. Talking with Mary Laster last week about the mentor that the two of you shared. And I'm really anxious for everyone to hear the rest of um, what you two had to share about him. Yeah, I am too. So many great memories that I will hold um, forever in my heart, in my head. Um, So enjoy, everybody. And, you know, I wrote a grant um, when I was working on my doctorate. And before you graduated, Mary, you were my grant manager, right? And even when I I was in D.C., you were managing my grant for me. And, um, you know, I would have never had an an opportunity to go to Washington, D.C. for eight months, bring my cat and stay in a little apartment um, and have go work for free for the Department of Education Severe Disabilities Branch. And then I got a job as a consultant, quote unquote, for the National Association of Special Ed Directors. Oh my gosh. And I, I, it was so bizarre. And I would go in and I would analyze inclusion statements. And yeah. ugh, it was so bizarre how I made ends meet. And I just take the bus and I, I cannot imagine how I did that at 25, 26, 27 years old. Yeah. Um, thankfully, my sister was working in DC at the time and lived in Maryland, but um, yeah, for eight months. And I just tool around and have fun, made friends, and then came home eight months later. And then yeah. one time he came up, there was a conference, I'm sure. And uh, it, there was a conference, I remember. And, and Dr. Don Hunter was my boss at the um, Department of Education. And I remember going on a walk with my niece, Jen, who was like five at the time. And he had her on his shoulders walking through the mall in D.C. And just I have a picture of that. I have to find it. It's just the, you know, you talk about his smile and his shiny mm-hmm. eyes. And you can see that in the picture. He's just smiling mm-hmm. and ugh, just such a great, yeah. great man, great mentor, great, um, great guy. Yes, he was. He was fabulous. Um I the last communication I had with him was on December 5th and, you know, shortly before he passed away and he had sent me a uh, a link to a Web page. He said, I want you to look at this because uh, see if you know anybody who'd be a good writer for this. And it was one of the the it was a website that was a spoof on who wrote the worst first pages of a novel <laughs> and they were just they were horrible it's like not like a dark and stormy night one of those kind of things and uh it they were just putrid and um he said who do you think you think you could rival for one or <laughs> well, I shared it with shared that with some uh colleagues of mine and I got back some hysterical horrible first pages and I shared them with him and he said those are contenders <laughs> you know <laughs> coincidentally he died on the same day that my mom passed away 30 years ago and I remember I was working at what's now the Harris Center and I was working you know working with adults in the community part-time and I hadn't been you know it was December 16th so there was the Christmas holiday and then back to work you know uh after the Christmas break and I hadn't been in touch with him I just didn't want to you know it just it was it was bad I was grieving lost my mom 
And I remember he called me at Harris Center. I mean, it was MHMRA at the time. I remember he called me and he was like, it's time to get back to work. And I was like, I know it is time. And so yeah. um, that was when. The kind of mentor that is a friend, you know, the kind of person who yeah. you know, pushes you when you need to be yeah. pushed. Yeah. But in a loving and caring way, most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was just funny. He had such a great, sharp sense of humor. And uh, um, should I share the story about my uh, my dissertation defense, Susan? It was sure. kind of a tribute, a contribute to Mike. Yes, please do. <laughs> yeah, uh, dissertation defenses, of course, are you know pretty serious uh, events. That's part of your elephants that you jump over. It's one of the elephants, and uh, knowing Mike and and in my in my committee was very uh, CUIN our curriculum instruction people. They were they had no clue what I you know what I was going to be doing with my. Uh, my dissertation defense and except Mike, because it was such a single subject design. And these were other people that were doing all kinds of other different types of research and hadn't a clue what I was getting ready to do. <laughs> and I, as um, I went to a tattoo artist the day before my uh, defense, and this is just for the proposal defense, mind you. Remember and Mary, so, he had, sorry to interrupt you, but remember he had that, um, that what was that that tattoo? It was like what was that? It was like the ones right. The, 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 well, he had uh, uh, a tattoos around his thighs, and he always wore shorts. Always, so you never saw him in long pants. And I used to tease him when he went to Florida, when uh, when he was uh, a department chair. I said you're making you wear long pants. Like what's up with that? And because he always wears shorts and his and his flip flops, and uh, he had a shark's tooth ink tattoo that went around his thigh that he had done when he was living in American Samoa. And it was this gnarly blue, dark indigo blue thing on his leg. So for my defense, I went to the tattoo artist and I said, this is what I need. I need a tattoo for each arm using permanent markers. So I go to get my permanent markers and, and I said, this is what I want. And I had uh, on one arm, I had data mama, and look like, you know, Hell's Angels lettering that I went across the top. And then underneath it had um, it had a graph over a heart. <laughs> and it had, you know, my data being graphed over the heart. Instead of a banner, it was graphing. Oh, and, so uh, and then the other arm was uh, born to research. Also <laughs> in Hell's Angels kind of lettering. And, and I, I didn't know what to put with it. And so when I got there... This this guy named Big John who had tattoos that went all the way up his neck, peeking out of his shirt, and he had the degree from Blinn College in art. So there you go. He uh, he's make a, he's a tattoo artist, and he's and he starts drawing. And I said, well, I'm not quite sure what I want here, but I want this barn to research lettering looking like this, and had a picture. By the way, I'm an artist, so that's why. Uh, yes. <laughs> I could talk about that crazy drawings and stuff. And I said, but I'm not sure what to put when he goes, I got it. And I thought, okay. So I looked down and watching him draw on my arm and it's a, I said, what is that? Is that the, is that the uh, lamp of knowledge? Cause I saw something with flames and he said, no man, dude, it's a Bunsen burner. You can't do research without a Bunsen burner. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh you know, so I get there and I have my coat, you know, I, I tried to take a, a shower to get ready to go for my defense without getting the tattoos wet. And 
uh, wrapping them in plastic. And anyway, I get there. And so I'm doing my defense and my my other chairs are looking at me like, I don't get it. I, but I'm sure it's going to be fine. Mike, you know what you're doing with her. Okay. And I said, wait, wait. Because they said, it's over. You can go. I said, no, no, no. I got to show you how, how, uh, how important this is to me. And I took off my blazer and I had a shark sleeve shirt on. And I had on, I had my, I've gotten these tattoos to show how dedicated it's been to be. <laughs> and Mike cracked up, just absolutely cracked up. And then uh, I remember um, Richard Hamilton was Hamilton. there. And the, it was one of my other uh, committee members. And he was just like, oh, what are you going to do for your final defense? <laughs> and I ended up using it. <laughs> Where I got normative rates of Mike in the men's room up in the fourth floor where he was shaving. I, I had solicited. I needed some people to come men to come up there and shave so I could get normative rates and get an average. Or what is a normative rate for how long does it take the average male to shave so i put out a call kind of as a joke but uh i had all three members of my committee showed up to be part of the normative rates to get to do their shaving and they brought That's their shaving so nice. kit a towel and and howie jones is there he was part of the uh, uh i watched him shave and then and i'm videotaping all this and then um richard hamilton gets ready to He's like, I'm here, I'm here. And I said, but I can't use you, Richard. You have facial hair. You have to be clean shaven. He was so despondent. I remember that. I remember <laughs> he left. He's like, oh, man. And then Mike was my last one. And <laughs> Mike whips off his shirt there in the men's room and starts shaving <laughs> and making noises as he shaves. <laughs> you know, shaving his chin, shaving his neck and shaving his cheek. And I'm, you know, you're trying to, I'm trying to hold the camera, you know, to see where do people shave, how do men shave, et cetera. And, uh, oh my gosh. Well, I showed that clip at my defense. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yes. And Mike said, I'm going to kill you, but I love you, but I'm going to kill you. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> because it, I showed it. I said, wait, I got to show you my videotapes. And I, I said, oh, wrong tape. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so <laughs> funny. Oh, it was just, you know, but that was kind of stuff. But he, if you could get him, you know, that made your day. It made his day. He loved to be teased as much as he loved to tease you. Yeah. Yeah. It was always, you know, uh, it was it was good teasing. Yeah. It was just he very... Was- um, well, I, I want to tell you the night before I uh, did my final defense, he called me into his office and he said, I've got something for you. And this is what I want you to do tomorrow night. It's OK. Before my defense, the night before he gave us tickets to go see uh, a tuna Christmas. Oh, fun. So Randy and I could. He said, I don't want you to think about it. It was defense. so nice. I don't want you to even, don't even think about it. Just go. Is Tuna Christmas a, a Texas thing, a Galveston thing, or do they do that all over the place? Oh, it used to be all over Texas all year round. But Mike would do that kind of thing. He was, he was just so generous. We talk all the time about how important relationship is, you know, exactly. and what you guys are sharing is he understood that concept to the, you know, to the nth degree oh, yeah. of building relationship and uh, truly connected with you guys and helping yeah. you. And, you know, uh, since he was evident too, I watched his memorial service that they played it back. 
you could you can click on the link and watch it. And it's about an hour and a half long of one person after another, after another, after another, sharing funny stories, sweet stories, inspirational stories about what he did for them. So we were not alone, which was nice. I mean, to know that he, what he did at Houston, he did the same thing at Florida International. He just, he, um, he was well loved. And they said that, you know, as a, as a faculty uh, department chair for special ed, they said that he could be, you know, he could be so personable, but at the same time, he was all about faculty. He wanted to take care of his faculty and take care of his students. It was not about, you know, administrative this and that. He was more about the needs and um, what faculty need. And, you know, in my role now as, as interim associate dean up here, you know, you, you do lose touch with that and you have to keep going back to that and I it was it was really it meant a lot to hear that mm-hmm. it's kind of like okay I'm going to try to follow in his footsteps mm-hmm. you know to be the um, faculty first and you know with our students and so to know what he's he's had to put up with as a department chair and then, <laughs> you know and to know that he was in that role for way longer than you normally do most people don't stay in that role very long and he was I think 20 years in that role yeah. as a department chair. So, um, you know, and he formed and he formed and, and it wasn't just you and I, Mary, you know, the great Rose I've known. Um, yes. Uh-huh. You know, uh, he, I know he was um, Susan Parker's um, mentor during her master's program and Sylvia. And I mean, all those people that he, Carol, yeah, Carol. Yeah. yeah. Everybody that we know, that's just he just touched so many people's lives. Yes, he did. He was, changed a lot of people's lives, not just y'all's, but the children that you, you know, the the clients. That exactly. You, yeah. yeah. And the like, students that I mean, you know, other people that you're mentoring. You know, it. Yeah. It's a, it, when they talk about the ripple of the water, you know, exactly. Certainly rippled out. Okay, so this is not sentimental or anything like that, but it's something that you said about him coming in and telling you all that you were going to get an A, and it's something that I'm not sure students, I don't know if it happens anymore, but when we were in even undergrad and then certainly in graduate school, everything was on a curve, right? Mm. And so you knew that there there were only going to be a certain number of A's, and there were going to be a few people who failed. It wasn't about a percentage of a test. It was about the curve, and I don't know, do they do that anymore? I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you know, and that's a reflection on me as a teacher. If I don't have people stepping up and doing what they need to do and get the good grade, because it's it falls back on me not giving them enough absolutely formative assessment. And yeah. you know, I'm not absolutely. one of those like, well, they didn't get it. <laughs> I know, but but that's how it was when we were in college. It was, yeah. you know, going it in. Still happens. It still happens. Yeah, that uh, yeah, the bulk of people were going to fall here, and yeah. then there were going to people on the outskirts. And I always remember thinking that doesn't seem fair to me because I know, right? One hundred percent of the topic, I should get an A. But anyway, that's a <laughs> yeah. Well, Mike knew what he was talking about because he uh, he understood. You know, we were at a different caliber. We were doc students. We weren't just messing around because it was expensive and we were serious. And yes, so we, well, and by the time nerves. you were a doctoral student, 
you are in your area of expertise. You are going to dig into it. It is not going to be, I mean, that to me is a little different than, you know, when we were, I mean, you know, what's so crazy is that I almost didn't even go to U of H. I almost went to the university of uh, Illinois in Chicago. And I remember um, I went up there. My sister lived in Iowa and it was close by. And so I remember I went up there and I looked for a place to live and, all this stuff. And then my mom got sick again and I didn't want to be away because I was really the only person here in town who could, you know, help take care of her. And so that I told them, no, thank you. And U of H accepted me too. And so I ended up going to U of H just because, you know, craziness, just crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff comes out of crummy stuff sometimes. Yeah. yeah. It brought you to this relationship with, you know, Dr. Brady. I remember one time speaking of my mom being sick, we had gone to, uh, we'd gone to the doctor for something and I had to go to class because it was a really important class and I couldn't miss it. And so my mom came with me and I remember she was sitting in a chair and he was so nice to her. He was like, hi mom. And, you know, it was talking about single subject design and, you know, all that stuff. And my mom, I remember was just listening there just like in the days, like, what is this guy even talking about? But he was so kind to her. Um, and she just sat there and came to class with me. I don't know why I did that to her. Why I had her do that? But anyway, she was maybe she asked you. Maybe she asked to go with you or something. Maybe she did. Maybe she did. I don't remember. Well, I have other stories, but they're not always the stories that are appropriate for that. Because he was, he, he he loved to have fun. And I remember in one time in Washington, he was in search of the perfect martini. <laughs> that was a, that was a sojourn, and I think. Uh, another time when we were, <laughs> uh, he and my husband had uh, too much grappa. And that was another story, you know, that <laughs> don't always, don't have to deal with mentorship, but it just, just, it speaks to him as uh, he loved life. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think he did. Was one of those that he, he had a curiosity about him. And, and, oh, I remember a story when we were in Colorado for the CEC conference. And we took the day off to go skiing. And it was a group of us from Region 4. And we went to, um, oh, my gosh, which resort was that? I'll think of it in a second. But it was one of those where, uh, and I talked Mike into skiing. (laughs) And it was his first time ever to be on skis. Oh, I bet that was hilarious. Oh, my God. It was so funny because we took him down the bunny slope and, um, he made it down the first try and he said, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. So he sat in the he sat in the, the lodge and uh waited. Breckenridge. We were in Breckenridge, that's where we were. And uh yeah, I skied. I continued to ski, but came back and check on him and and then go back up and ski some more. And that's and, hilarious. Uh, he, was, he was perfectly content to sit there and not ski and just watch everybody. They talk but, to people and drink beer and just watch. Oh people. my gosh. Yeah. But he hated it. He absolutely hated it. He said, why in the world did you do that to yourself? Why? <laughs> why would you get on those things and ski? Why? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, all about that. That was so funny. Mary, do you remember when we bought, we went to that, that magic shop and bought that disappearing, <laughs> yes. um, disappearing scarf game? Yes. Oh my gosh. Do you remember on the plane on the way home? We oh, yeah. Laughing so hard. And I the know. man sitting next to us was just shaking his head like, these girls are silly. 
Well, yeah, and I remember going out there. We were uh, uh, gossiping about office gossip, and and somebody said, "Boy, y'all haven't seen each other for a long time." I said, "Yeah, just about you know twelve hours ago." <laughs> Couldn't believe how much we were talking on the plane. To get oh to, gosh, I think it was going to San Francisco from that. Yeah, that so many great trip. memories. So many great memories. Well, Mary, thank you so much for being on our podcast again and giving a tribute to Mike. Um, he was definitely missed. I know he taught you good skills because you're one of my favorite people in the world. So, and I hope he taught me good skills. Thank you again. Yes. Thank you so much for, uh, for being here and, you know, for sharing both of you for sharing about, you know, what a good mentor is, what a good teacher is. Um, Yeah. We could all be a little like Mike. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Be like Mike. Exactly. There you go. That's a good motto. I like it. Be like our new mantra. Be like Mike. I will sign off and uh, get back to doing some other work. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you. You Thank you. Well, Sissy, I just loved hearing Mary talk about Dr. Brady and you know, she had some great stories and one of them was about normative rate. Do we have a question about normative rate? We do. We do. Mary talked about collecting normative data by seeing how long it takes for a neurotypical man to shave his face. In ABA, normative data is used to A, get an average of the amount of time it takes to do something, B, get an average of the latency of how long it takes to start an activity, C, compare the amount of time it takes to do something to the amount of time it takes participants in the study to do the same thing, D, Compare the latency it takes to start something to compare it with a study participant's latency. E, all of the above. F, none of the above. G, A and B are true. H, C and D are true. My goodness, this does remind me of a test question. (laughs) Doesn't it? Doesn't it? So you take normative data. You're not really trying to get, well, we can rule out A and B because you're really looking at normative data to compare with the study participants. And it could be duration, right? How long it takes to shave. It could also be how long it takes to start to shave. So it could be latency. So I would have to say that H, C, and D are true. There you go. I agree. So, um, yeah, you're, you're looking for what does it look like when an average person does this activity? And you're looking at several people who are considered, quote, average to do it, doing the activity so that you can then say what about how long is typical so that, yeah. you know, whether you're the person that you're trying to teach this to is, is getting close to a normative rate. There you go. I did a study in graduate school about um, a girl folding pizza boxes. And at first she did it like it took her three minutes to fold one pizza box. And then we put on her favorite music and we embedded auditory prompts within the music. It was Clint Black back in the day when we had Walkmans. And Christina went from one box in three minutes to three boxes in one minute, just with prompts being interspersed through Clint Black singing of keep going, Christina, keep going. (laughs) So that was kind of fun to get the normative rate and then see her her rate increase um, so much. But anyway, you guys, as always, thanks so much for listening Um, next week. I have a story about a young lady who is on the autism spectrum and had some pretty significant behavior. So we hope you'll listen. As always, everybody, please consider liking or commenting on our podcast on Buzzsprout. 
Um, we hope you have a great weekend. Take care. Thanks.